0: Are we good to go? Yeah.
1: Go on.
0: They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. But the bye, 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 bye. But the bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that. Bye,
1: bye,
0: bye, 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 bye. How you doing?
1: I'm really well, David. Hello, how are you?
0: I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. This is the, the third week, I think, in a row with no Jodie. What's happened to Jodie? What has happened to Jody? Maybe he's just training the whole time to try and get sub-22 sub-21 and sub-20 before the end of the year maybe he's just decided right no more distractions he's in some camp in ethiopia
1: i've seen Estrava, he's doing 178 miles a week can
0: you believe it we we all know that there aren't enough hours in the week that if jody started at midnight on a on a monday he wouldn't be able to do one hundred and seventy-eight by the end of the week.
1: He's definitely doing it. I've seen it. It does look a bit like he's gone into paint and kind of changed the numbers a bit. <laughs> but I think I just, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's just training either that or he just can't be bothered. I mean, it's one of the two and I don't know which one yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, welcome to the podcast, Ali Bailey, freshly returned from, well, firstly, welcome to podcast listeners. You're, um, you're probably tuning in for the wonderful camille who is indeed wonderful we've already interviewed her so we know how wonderful she is but
1: um, she's wonderful but she is the second lady of bbr i did listen to the podcast yes. the other week where i was described as your first best female friend <laughs> so i just want to make this clear okay because i'm getting jealous
0: <laughs> absolutely and it's, it's her third time on but i mean how many times you've been on
1: 10 20 oh, but she's just oh she's but we'll talk about her in a little bit because um, yep. i can wax lyrical about her probably for about seven or eight days to be honest <laughs>
0: And we will at the end of the uh, at at the end of the interview. But um, how are you? You've just uh, you're not looking very tanned
1: Um, because I'm a goth and I'm against white background. Um, I'm really well. Thank you. I've just literally come out of a massive depressive episode, which I think has been bought on by a few things. But one of them is obviously adventure come down because I've just got back from watching the rains fall in Africa in Namibia. And um, the rain did actually fall in Africa. Did it? No. So it for a little bit. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, um, fantastic. Just for like maybe three or four seconds. But um, but yeah, um, I, I feel a lot better now. But I've been in that sort of, you know, no running, I hate the world funk. Yeah. But, um, I've been exercising self-care, as we all should do, that is. And um, I feel a lot better. So that's really, really good. But yeah, I just got back from Namibia. It was the first race to the wreck the first official public come on everybody come run across namibia and it was amazing yeah i mean so
0: do bad. If you if you're not aware which basically means this is the first time you've ever listened to the podcast because everyone on earth is aware that ali bailey is a race ambassador um yeah race to the wreck it's it's one of those races that i've seen the video I, i've heard of you and gila and pete talk about it but the actual whether it's, it will work insane. with people cycling and running and then the logistics and it, it seems like a, a far hardest thing to put to put on than something like the mds
1: uh, i'm sorry but it makes mds look like fucking park run. like it's basically in the middle of the namib desert and it's, it's across the namib nooklof park which is a private government-owned park so you're not allowed on it unless you're with a touring vehicle right so you have to pay like fucking ludicrous amount of money to go in a vehicle you're not really allowed to get out uh, to go and see the like the oryx and the zebra and the big cats if you're lucky but people can't go there you can't just go and open the gate and run across it so um rat race is the only company in the world that are allowed to do this there are other Namibian um, ultras but this one is extra extra special because you're running across parts of the desert that nobody's ever run across before which is quite an extraordinary thing when it's it's the oldest desert on earth so um yeah, so we went out last year and did the recce to see if it would work. Um, and it did. Uh, but it worked with however many people there were, like five of us. <laughs> so, like five people, like some tents, some cooking stuff, you know. But this time we took 38 people out there. Um, that was the people that were running it. And then the crew was about, there must be 30 of us. So, you know, you're oh, looking. Really? one on one. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because you've got. On the ground crew, uh the guys guys from a company called Live the Journey who are um based out there who do tours and know that desert right at the back of their hand. Um and then you've got medics and you've got Jim and you've got all the rat race infrastructure crew. uh um, you've got Leo and um Oh, God, was Oh, Pete. Leo and Pete doing the uh, photography and videographies. Um, and then you've got the guys who are going to give... Because half of people ride their bikes for the first two days and half, and everybody else runs for the whole thing. It's five days.
0: Yeah, what was the um, breakdown of people who uh, who did the split of cycling or running?
1: That was 50-50, but um, interestingly, there was only one woman doing the bike, um, Fiona, mm. the rest of them were men. Uh, so with the bikes, you do uh, 100 kilometres a day for two days. So they start... Behind us, they start 100k behind us, and the first two days they do 200k. In the first two days, we do 100k. So at the end of those two days, we dovetail meet each other at the camp and we we'll come back yeah. together, which is really nice. Because at the beginning, you know, the first night you're all like having beers and having a nice time, and then the next day is kit check, which was um, fun. Uh, no one, had, not many people, had done a kit check before. So when they came up to me, they were like, "What do we bring?" And I'm like, "Fucking everything." <laughs> See all of it. Um, and then we're split up and it's a little bit sad because, you know, you've got 20, a group of 20 people running the whole thing and then a group of 20 biking for the first two days. And we don't come back together until the end of day two. So um,
0: and like when you if you were to line up those two groups, would you be able to, to predict who was the cyclist and who was the runner?
1: Oh fucking yeah, easy. Like, the cyclists are all. Um, to be fair, this group. I was quite worried about there being dickheads in the group because there's always dickheads. These are paying people, and I'm a member of the rat race team, so I'm not going to judge. But I do judge. Um, there was not one idiot on that on that uh, race. Not one. There was no 20. <laughs> there twenty. There were twenty on bikes, but there was no one that was an asshole. Like there was no alpha. Because the thing is, with with these bucket list events, you can't win them you know you've got you, you you're in it for the, the experience and they are hardcore like I, you forget how hard it is but I had I had a girl that was on the MDS five times she was like this is fucking horrible and I was like yeah but it's amazing as well um, she loved it and uh she's, she's coming back so is um, that
0: gonna be the front poster
1: yeah it's, it's just fucking horrible come and do it MDS um,
0: survivor yeah
1: but, she, but um the cyclists you could tell they were a lot of them were kind of triath- extra athletes you know because look mm. at their legs and you could tell but um there were a couple of people that never done anything like it before which was really funny because those bikes are horrible um and they give you really bad chafing and do you imagine riding a bike for 200 kilometers over sand dunes and rocks and not and in 40 degree heat as well um and uh so there was a lot of suffering on the bikes like a real lot like they all came in like vietnam legends at the end of day two <laughs> like walking like cowboys and uh dying and i'm like you got three days running to do now p.s june day is on the fourth day
0: i guess there's um, no fridge as well to store your epo in either so
1: there is no fridge to store your epo because it's full of beer and this is the thing right this is a fucking military operation every night 40 tents have been set up really decent tents with like off the floor beds um we've got a huge mess tent we've got chefs cooking huge dinners for everybody so like massive buffets we've got showers we've got toilets we've got we're in the middle of fucking nowhere it's amazing. <laughs> like, and they put all this stuff up. You get there and it's up. And then you eat, you get a bed, you leave in the morning, and it's gone and there is no trace of it. It's amazing. It's like we were never there. And um, do,
0: people, do people want that level of comfort, I guess? Because in my head, it almost goes against the challenge because you're so used to these, that's these adventures.
1: That's because you said, yes. You're yeah, used to, but it's, it's a suffer fest. It's supposed to be a suffer fest, right? This is not a suffer fest. It is very, very hard. But um you know we want people to be comfortable we want people to get to the end of it and it's it's harder than mds it's the dunes are higher it's a lot longer it's it's very different terrain it's loads of different well obviously mds i haven't done it but i know that and i know there are lots of different types of terrain but we're not asking you to carry a tiny backpack with hardly any food and we want people to be happy healthy want them to enjoy it i want people to stop take a look around them realize where they are you know and have like an amazing, amazing time. It's a completely different ball game to MDS. If you want to do MDS, if you want to win something, go and do MDS. This is about, like, living and taking in your environment. So as much as it is really comfortable, it's not a walk in the park, like, by any stretch of the imagination. And there were lots of really bad feet, um, feet injuries, you know, people not looking after their mm. feet. There were some dehydration issues. Um, there were people having mental issues, like, they just thought they couldn't do it anymore. But the best thing about it was there was no internet at all. So we had an internet box, but we didn't use it. And watching all these people who'd all come from different walks of life, sitting around a campfire every night, talking to each other, having proper human conversations, laughing, like there's people that have made friendships there that now, like I know, because I'm taking on people for test pilot and a lot of them are coming from Namibia and saying I want to do it again because so-and-so is doing it. That is just brilliant, especially when all these people come from like pretty high intensity jobs and backgrounds. Some of them are students, some of them are, you know, proper high end finance workers, some of them are paramedics, some of them are teachers, but they're all talking to each other and getting on with each other. And I'm like, this is, I think that's one of the big selling points is this is for a time for living. And if we'd had internet, they'd have all been in their tents on their phones uploading to Insta, and nobody was. And it was really, really great. But it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not a holiday camp. Like, it is. You're still surviving you are being fed really well and you've been given water and you've got vehicle support and all that sort of stuff but you can go for like four or five hours without seeing anybody mm. just following lines because you stretch out across that desert and it's oh. um,
0: and what are you following what are you navigating to
1: you've got a gps uh GPS files on your watch uh, to put on your watches, and that's one of the man- mandatory pieces of kit. You need to have a watch or, a, or um, a file viewer um every day. We check that everybody's watches are charged, and they had those. But we've also got five or six support vehicles um who drive ahead and behind. Uh, and on the for, for a good few of the days, I was kind of right at the back sweeping. So I'd kind of start at the front of the pack and work my way back. I'm comfort crew basically, so I'm a, crew, a person on the ground on my feet who is working for rat race who you can talk to if stuff starts to go wrong, which is really good because if we had a couple of incidents where people started to dehydrate or go a bit weird and Mm. I was, I was on the ground and I knew what that was, what what that looked like. So I could stop them and say, right next, you know, we're going to put you in a vehicle now just for like half an hour. Um, just get your, your fluids back up and then we'll get you out because I'd rather people did that than suddenly end up on a drip. And one of the rules with the rat race bucket and this stuff is if you end up on a drip, you don't come back. Like there's no MDS. You oh, really? two hours. No, if you, if, if you, if you don't have the self care to be able to look after yourself and you end up on a drip, you're out. So it's better yeah. for you to be, you know, consider how you feel get in the vehicle for a couple of hours and then get out again and keep going. It's not about doing the whole thing on foot. It's or on bike, it's about, it's about doing it your way and doing it in a sensible way because we don't want people to not finish or feel shit at the end, especially as we have a massive fucking party at the end. So if you're in hospital, you're going to miss out on all of the lols. Um, Did everyone finish then? Yeah, everyone finished. So, Every single person finished. We had a couple of people take a day out um, where they'd got in the vans and crewed for a bit because they didn't feel well. A couple of people who were really, really far back. And we said to them, look, either you get in the van and we'll push you to the next checkpoint or you're gonna, we're going to have to pull you because you're finish in the dark. And we can't have people out there in the dark. It's just mm. too dangerous. Um, and everyone took that in really good spirits. And that's the great thing about rat race. It's not about the win. It's about the completion. And everyone supported each other, looked out for each other everyone shared food they shared kit if someone's poles broke we'd, we'd get a basket and we'd tape it onto the bottom of their their pole some guy's um came off on his bike honestly i don't know where the fuck he got them done but they were a joke i spent quite a long time one night super gluing them back onto his shoe making it absolute hash but that didn't work so we had to duct tape them on but he took it he, he would duct taped gators for the whole <laughs> last three days and he said, shout out to carl because he's a legend for doing that it was so funny one night he was like, should I sleep in these or take them off? <laughs> like, you need to take them off, buddy. Um But everyone took everything in such good spirits and everyone rallied together. And that was one of the best things. And I think to have a group of, you know, almost 40 people, to have yeah. no really bad injuries, to have no one really badly dehydrate or get sick is amazing. And everybody finished and everybody was just brilliant. So next year, uh, Race to the Wrap, if you can still get in, I would get in because It's unlike anything you've ever done before. And, you know, I know that we talk a lot about ultras and desert running and adventures, but it's not easy, man. Like those dunes on day four are the biggest dunes in the world and they are hard. There's 19 of them to get over and you're already knackered. Um, But then, you know, the last day you get to the wreck of the Bolan, which is a massive ship um, on, on the coast. That marks the end of the race. And we got there and Jim and the rest of the team had organized pink champagne and Wava's Bay oysters for everybody.
2: That's <laughs> what I'm talking
1: about. And it's all there with all this beer. And you're like, this is the most this is so surreal. All these jackals are looking at you and and oh, really? uh, jackals, yeah, there. jackals like staring at you going, Can I have a that oyster? And you're like, no. Um there's, <laughs> there's, you know, you see seals, oryx, big snakes. We saw a couple of puff adders. um, loads of dead stuff that's that's been eaten or just died out there because things do die out there including people um didn't see any dead people mind um but uh it's just incredible to think that you are in this place that nobody goes and mm. you're having this experience and so yeah basically two thumbs up for rat race doing that because i could not believe what had gone got into it and people sometimes whinge about the cost of these things but when you've been there and you've seen it laid out you're like no Cause there's no way anyone could ever have that experience without a big support team like that. So I just had the best time and watching people achieve their goals and having, there's lots of tears at the end. And, and seeing, do you
0: think they're going to cap the numbers for future ones? Oh
1: or? yeah. yeah. I reckon we probably take another 20 people out, but we don't want to impact the environment. We're not. We yeah. don't, I'm at the back. I can making sure there's nothing left behind. Um, we take everything with us um so yeah i reckon another 20 people they could do but um it was just the most incredible adventure so if you go onto the rat race um bucket list page and have a look at the photos Leah's photos are astonishing um and the video is pretty good as well because we had lovely handsome pete me and pete spent a lot of time mm-hmm. doing crosswords together we're very good at oh, them.
0: it's the last pete
1: jaunt isn't it it's the last pete jaunt but he will be back for UK stuff, but, um, but yeah. But but we had uh, we did have a really really good time, and I loved it. And uh, but I'm back now, but I've got about seventeen thousand adventures for next year in the in the pot. <laughs> so I need to take December off and just calm my boots because I reckon I'm away for, for five
0: and, months. And to plan for the biggest event of 2020. Which we all know is the well, national running
1: show. I'm still planning for the biggest event of 2019, which is the Bad Boy Running Christmas Party. <laughs> of course, of um, course. It's huge in the running calendar. And then the, the <laughs> second, well, the biggest event of 2020, which is the Ultra Zone Takeover at the national running show. Yes.
0: Uh, I mean, we get uh, who's coming up, is, is going to be one of the stars. Um, I think
1: it's look, I love the main stage She's as well. a star. She's a star, okay? But when you put her into that pot, of people like all of them are mega stars it's ridiculous the people that we've got coming like, I'm scared because I don't know how I'm going to react like have you got the list in front of you who's coming
0: I, mean, I do in my head um yeah and I, I think this the what I can't wait to see is quite a few of them know each other anyway because everyone's seems to have a link to to barclay marathons but camille's never met lads camille doesn't know Nikki spinks and there's so many really cool people that i just want to see how they get on and just to, to listen to what they talk about and to see what kind of plans they come up with and
1: so do and, banners in case you don't know you've been living under a rock or you don't listen to this podcast uh january the 25th i think 24th, 25th, in Birmingham at the NEC, it's the national running show, the biggest running show in Europe, and we have been given a stage of our own called the Ultra Zone, which has been furnished with carpets, a stage, some Chesterfield sofas, uh, a large screen, and every single person from the ultra running world who's of any importance (laughs) or interest whatsoever. And presenting that stage will be myself, Mr. Hellard, and Mrs. Jodie Rainsford. So we've uh, we've got Laslake, Lake, Camille Heron, Nikki Spinks, Gary House, James Elson, Rob Pope, Rennie McGregor, uh, Larry Morgan, Greg yeah. White, uh, me, oh, Greg's Kelly as well, isn't he? Yes,
0: brilliant. Like
1: Dean Connors, like, Dean
0: Connors is yeah. yeah,
1: seriously, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. And I think it will basically be in my head. It's going to be like the Graham Norton show, but for oh, running. That-
0: yeah, I like, I like it when you've got a stage and you've got so many people you're excited about, you forget that Dean Karnathis is coming. <laughs> I
1: mean, him, well, he's coming too. Better squeeze him in. Um, yeah, so it's free. Tickets to are to free. Go onto the National Running Show website and put in my code AMB18. But no, seriously, we've... come Saturday and Sunday because we've got such a stellar lineup. And you're right, like having Laz meet Camille for the first time, mm. it's going to be like blind date. And having Gary, Gary House go up against like whoever else is just going to be amazing.
0: This is the moment, actually, having Laz meet Dean because has Dean officially done Barclays? No, I don't
1: think so.
0: Or has he unofficially? That's the thing. I don't know if he's done it or not. And it wouldn't surprise me if, because they never, it's it's slightly different now because it's so high profile that everyone there has, uh, you know, has has their cameras out and you kind of get a sense of who is actually there. Whereas um, in the past, you could have rocked up and attempted it, failed, gone, and no one would know. And no one would, everyone would feel that they couldn't really tell anyone about it. So there is a good chance that Dean has turned up been the number one, failed, and no one's ever mentioned it. And the only way we're going to know that is when they meet each other to see if it's like, hello, lads, or,
1: oh, hey, lads, oh. I'm Dean. And that
0: we will just know in the way they say hello instantly, oh, he's done it. Is well, that, what, or, oh. what, like,
1: like two people at a party, you've had sex but never told yeah. anyone that they've had sex. And so they're yeah. really, really awkward when they meet each other. It'll be like so, that.
0: So when you see me and Laz, that's when you <laughs> know <laughs> about the party. <laughs>
1: wow. It's, it's, yeah. you know, like James Elson, who did uh, one lap last year. and 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 he's not seen that since and i just want to say i want to see if when he claps eyes on him he just breaks down on the floor in bits (laughs) (laughs) he can cope with it and goes and says hello to him Um, and then you know like andy palmer Laz lake and james elson on a panel together talking about how to put together an ultra so you've got the guy that's the hardest ultra in the world the guy that does the most stupid ultras in the world which are also awesome and then james who's the most serious race director in the world like all talking about how to put on a race that's going to be amazing.
0: We we might have someone else to add to that list, by the way.
1: Oh, really? Who is it? Is it the race director of Beer, Love, of, um, Beer Belly Running, even?
0: Even Ben Matt, the race director of Badwater.
1: Oh, my
0: God. Happens to be popping over as well. Sure, just
1: pop <laughs> it. Anyone yeah. just pop it. Mike um, said
0: to me, can you fit him in? like, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs>
1: He can uh, he can help on the bad boy running stand if he wants. Um, yeah, so yeah. that's the other thing. We've got a great big stand. Loads of do bads are going to be there to talk to and meet. We're going to have some fun games to play, and uh, the bad boy running club will be there. Basically, it's going to be a massive takeover. James Appleton, the famous photographer um, slash, coming along. Uh, yeah, he's coming to do our photos. Amazing. So we're going to have some great photos. Um, and now, uh, we've
0: yeah. got a dilemma because there is a kind of speakers dinner on the saturday night which obviously is the night where we want to be out and about so i don't know what to do because
1: i've had to think about this right and yeah. i think that we're going to be able to split the squad so i think that the barclays marathons will go ahead uh because our dinner thing the dinner thing is at 7 30 so if they start the barclays marathons at half eight we'll be able to come straight out of dinner and go to the end of the barclays oh, to make sure no, so, actually, so i reckon it's probably first, going to finish about 10 barclays marathons the deal will be we're coming up with a route. You have to go to as many Barclays cash machines within Birmingham as possible and get receipts, bring them back to me or someone at the BrewDog, uh, and the winner will buy everybody a round of drinks, and I'll know who the winner is by how much money you've got in your bank account. The winner will buy? the <laughs> whole round of drinks for everybody else that's taking part. a bit. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Great, right, right? I want a I... balanced receipt to see how much money you've got.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I've just thought the only Barclays account I have is uh... – a. That's my ISO I'm saving for deposit for a house. That could end really badly.
1: Brilliant. So <laughs> on you? That's not actually who's going to win, but we are going to do this really fun race and it's going to be mapped and we'll have maps available at BBR stand. I think it will start about eight, a couple of hours like running around or by any means, because some of the cash points are quite far away. Um, you can do it in teams, but yeah, we'll put full details of that up um, uh, in early January, but we will work out a way to, to do both. So um, don't worry, do badders and non-do badders. There'll be lots of lols to be had at the running show
0: hell yeah now um before we go on to camille i'm just trying to think of well there's so much stuff going on the news at the moment but did you see recently a father and son broke the world record for the fastest combined time of a marathon well i don't
1: understand what that is what does that mean they
0: they combine they both ran the same marathon together
1: yeah
0: and they they set a new record for their combined times sub five hours for a father and son
1: mm, is that impressive
0: the son so the father beat his son and he's 59
1: yeah but that doesn't surprise me because i think with men the older you get the better you get because so i think you've got well, more time to train how are you old is the son, are you was the son six
0: yeah that's right yeah the son did a one hour so a four hour marathon the son's 34 father's 59 Okay. but um I mean that's going to take some beating you've got to wonder what Kipchoge's dad's
1: Kipchoge. like what
0: kind of state he's in
1: Oh come off it He like, have to
0: run a sub three
1: so so let's think about this right what were the two times what was the dad's time what was the son's time so um
0: 232 and 220 220 no 231 and 227
1: I'm like, that, now you put that because I'm not very good at maths. So now you put that into context. I'm like, yeah, that is pretty punchy, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and you've got to wonder whether they're running together as well. Can you imagine that if you're running with your dad and then he just steps on the gas, runs away from you?
1: Yeah. Oh. That's wow. That is actually quite because I was, you know, Dominic Spain and his dad mm. both run, and I'm like, that could be something for them to train towards because I've met both of them. They are both glorious, glorious human beings, but they are competitive. And it would be funny. Yeah. But we might end up killing Nick, so we don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that, I mean, it's going to take some doing to catch that as well, isn't it?
1: It really is. But yeah, that's, that's fucking fast, isn't it? Maybe Richard McDowell could get his son to start running, who is like six or seven or something. Get out of <laughs> the buggy, you lazy shit. And then maybe he could do it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. I guess that's in their future. Now, um, relating to... This was posted a while back, but um, we've we've had a few unusual episodes. The one that you recorded with Matt, where you talked about, I guess, the Me Too movement in OCR. Interestingly enough, Park Run have now said that they're actually closing Mm -hmm. down all of their official Park Run um, Facebook. Just checking if it's pages or groups. Um, what? All their groups, all the Parkrun groups are now closing down because they, um, from, from what I can tell from the Twitter feeds of people discussing it, they got to the stage where they turned into people being arseholes all the time.
1: Well, being arseholes or showing their arseholes, like just being <laughs> horrible to each other or, or sending dick pics to each other.
0: I I think it was just being horrible to each other. And um, they, you know, people saying that's not how you do park race. It's not a race. You know, all these things that we find quite funny. I think they just decided, well, actually, why why have this kind of animosity created in um, in these groups linked with our name? So they're closing them all down.
1: Honestly, like, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's the way to do it? Or do you think there is another way to do it? Because at the end of the day people are people and it's mm. very it is hard to admin people but the funny yeah. i mean our group's not that big but we do a pretty good job on our group but i don't know if saying oh right it's not working kill it is going to work because this, the groups are still going to pop up everywhere and people are still going to be assholes and then you're going to get charismatic leaders like you did with the spartan thing yeah that's like, true, come up, everybody come to me i'm great and kind and the next thing you know you've got a spartan situation on your hands so i'm not yeah are they going to stop people using the park run name are people going to be like park run unofficial like how are they going to do it
0: well there are lots of other park run there's park run stats there's a there's a park one run, run winners group which is my favorite group Do bad as uh getting that one if you haven't already but is that um, an
1: ironic group or is that an actual group
0: that is a group that we set up as a
1: oh yeah uh, oh yeah oh, purely
0: everything in it is just to wind people up um in it very very silly and nothing ever happens in it it's just there to um just to, just for the person sat up home who reads it and gets furious of existence but um yeah that's i think that's a good point because these other groups will um will exist and do exist and even if they no longer call themselves park run in the title you could ha- you know you change it to fight and even the, the podcast of park run is is was it five, 5k five weekly timed or something like that so it's you can allude to it so there are going to be groups It's the same as
1: Spartan, to- like Spartan mm. said this has got nothing to do with us, these are just people that have set up these groups and that's what will happen you'll end up with people, you're going to get yeah, like with the cult that is parkrun you have these charismatic leaders like people mm. that are people that are literally obsessed with parkrun who will set up these groups and mark themselves out as the leader of the parkrun group start selling
0: self- merch which is yeah, yeah. slightly similar to parkrun yeah and, they'll yeah. start
1: self-admining and making it into like a dictatorship that whatever group it is but then that is that is Facebook groups, right? You can't, mm. you can't, I mean, if somebody went off and decided to start a new bad boy running Facebook group, and we have had uh, a debate about this in the bad boy running, running club group, mm. because we've got regional reps and they go off and sometimes start their own little regional rep groups, which we're like, that's cool because I understand why you're doing it, but we don't encourage it because then we've got splinter groups everywhere. And it's mm. not a politically bad thing because, you know, me and Susie ruled the bad boy running club with an iron fist and there would be no twats in there. But, um, but at the same time, you can't stop people doing stuff like that. It's it's very difficult, right?
0: Well, unless you unless um, Facebook turn around and say that it, it might be that there is a rule that you've if you've got a copyright or a trademark, you can just close down groups that use that. I don't know. If, if the other that, thing
1: is, right? Yeah. A lot of people rely on these groups for their social life, for their mental health, for their the way that they communicate with people, right? And I know this from um, what's been happening with another group that annu is involved with. Uh, if you say i'm going to shut this down it takes away people's lifeline. so mm. it does to the to like the outside world like you know dave works in a solicitors he doesn't know anyone else that runs the only people we know are the people that run park run and the only communication he has with them are on the park run facebook group for his area whatever it is that's gone and he feels like his lifeline's been taken away and that's yeah. really not great and and you know I think that with the bad boy running Facebook group, which you can join, ladies and gentlemen, um, that's a lifeline for a lot of people to communicate with people who understand them. Do you know what I mean? Who aren't the guys at the harriers at the weekend who want to win everything? These are the these are the people that talk about the silly bits of running. So I don't know whether that's a good thing. Have they said when well, they're going to take them down, or are they just going to literally
0: blitz? I them think down? it may have already happened because this this was a couple of mo- well a month and a half ago now that there was an on Twitter and. Um, yeah i think they've probably just gone but yeah as you say that it, it then becomes difficult of if you accept that they're going to exist and therefore you bring them under your banner who then does police them because it's so hard to get someone who, who enough of a good of a team that understand it that aren't going to let power to go to their head or that's the, it wasn't there and-
1: fights there's an issue was it parkrun i can't remember what, who it was but somebody basically employed a social media company to go and do the admining on their page and it was mm. a big page and everything went tits up because the person doing it did not understand the group at all <laughs> they haven't been in the group so they're like delete 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 no Just tear the comments off stop it no oh you're awful and it's like whoa, 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 whoa. that's like not how we do it can you imagine if you got social media companies to come and admin the bbr facebook group
0: yeah there would be I'm- nothing on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah completely but um yeah it's it's, it's really interesting because facebook have ne- i've never seen facebook talk about groups and actually now groups are pretty much the only thing i use if groups and events the only things i use facebook for because none of my friends really post anything anyway when
1: was the last time you put something on your timeline of any like your personal timeline of any interest like i used to go on all the time back in the day mm. like i'm at a gig i'm doing this look at my life aren't i the best look at this cute pig i never put anything on there anymore unless i literally need somebody to tell me the name of a decent accountant or a plumber because everything else is groups and pages like probably
0: it. once a year i think i probably should put on something for cliff bar <laughs> hey cliff bar stuff and then <laughs>
1: sponsored by cliff bar Hashtag <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. Maybe you should go on instagram there's this platform called instagram right when you're like an ambassador or you've got a sponsor it's really good to use instagram do
0: you no, know about it i refuse i refuse well,
1: photos flat lay of what you're gonna eat while you're out flat layer of what you have for your
0: lunch, that sort of thing. You should do that. I, I mean I'm on it. I'm on it as bad boy running. Followers. I'm uh, that's that's all me, all me, hundred <laughs> percent. is it? Hundred
1: <laughs> hundred I think you both know like, that's a big lie,
0: don't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it's interesting because um it just seems harder and harder for brands to and linking to that, brands to control uh they following, but also what happens when it gets out of hand. We've been talking about Nike and Mary Kane and the backlash. Amazingly, Nike have had a, a walkout of 400 staff in, pro- in protest at their refusal to rename the buildings that are linked to Salazar.
1: Oh wow! See, I I don't read the news or go on Twitter, so this is all great for me. This is like a little bit of a news spiel. I hope everyone else is enjoying this. Four hundred people walked out. It
0: was uh, and uh, it's either two hundred or four hundred, and they've the there's an article that was written about it even by the New York Times. I think the New York Times, and what they were pointing out that was quite interesting is that there have been walkouts of companies before, and you get that at Google, for example, when Google were um, suddenly using their software to actually help the the US defense come up with AI for their drones and things. And they're like, no, this is, this is fucked up. But what they were saying is, is dramatically different is that everyone at Nike has drunk the Kool-Aid and that everyone is fully cultish and fully into the brand. And that it's really rare to have anyone speak out at Nike because everyone is so in, even like that their campuses is, is set away from, Everywhere else, if you think about have most companies. Uh,
1: have you read the book No Logo by Naomi Klein?
0: Yes, I have. Right, me. so she
1: talks about Nike in that, right? And she mm. talks, and this was written a long time ago. This is yeah. when I was at uni, so it must have been like 20 years ago. But even then, there would be people running around the Nike campus with the Nike swoosh tattooed on their back, and every morning they would just run around in circles together like like weird cultists. But I think having any, any kind of, kind of organisation where they, people are afraid to speak up, it's fucked up like mm. and I think now more than ever especially with the whole me too thing and with the whole um <clears throat> feminist perspective on stuff because obviously it's women as we will hear from Camille that have the fucking raw deal and stuff like this it's, it's that shouldn't be the way that it is but having you know well there's 400 of them, or even if there was 200 of them that's power in numbers isn't it it's like you can't do anything if we all go somewhere or mm. can you because even when I worked in music they would say to us you can't do that or say that or you'll do as you're told because you're lucky to have your job. And I wonder if at Nike it's the same thing. You're all lucky to work here. So you all have to do as we tell you to do, basically. Um but it seems like that whole thing has completely blown up. And have they actually done anything about it at all? Have Nike actually what they said?
0: They I think they are going to be renaming the, the buildings. Um, which of course they should do. Renaming the
1: buildings is great and everything, but what are they actually doing about the ingrained issue with their athletes?
0: Yeah, and and that's what um, I mean. They 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 have been good at recognizing that their contracts for athletes were um, were basically unworkable for pregnant women because it's all performance bonus pays, um, which if you're pregnant, you you don't get paid. Um, you don't get your performances and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm not sure on this one. I'd have we, this is one to follow again. And, and as you say, I, I think if you are a company you can't speak out, you should speak out. And if if repercussions happen, great, leave the company and and go go elsewhere. Obviously, that doesn't work for everyone. But I think if you work no, for Nike and your money. headquarters,
1: everything's about money. Everyone's you know everything is about money. It's about who's going to sue me, or it's about especially in America, it's about oh god, I haven't got any money. But it's like, mate, people need to stand up a little bit more and say say what's happened because I'll I'll honestly tell you that like I'm I'm one of those people who worked for a long time in music and I've got a lot of secrets in my head and if somebody craved it in with a hammer they would all come flowing out and I've been too afraid to talk about them and I still am to a point because I don't want bloody some Russian oligarchs uh lawyer suing me um so I'm still afraid of that but um, it's about it's about power and numbers, but I'd love Let's to give, talk to someone. It just give us a name.
0: Just give us a name.
1: Can't do the name, unfortunately. I'm, i can't do the name, but um, Rachel from names Z. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's like uh, I'd really like to talk to somebody very high up at Nike about it, but I think they would just be so media trained that they wouldn't. We wouldn't get nothing out of them, to be quite honest. But I think, yeah, let's go rename a building. That will solve everything. Yeah. Fuck that. There is an ingrained problem within your company. And that problem needs to be addressed. And if you're going to be brave and stand up and address it, brilliant. And maybe that will help turn your fortunes around. But when you're an international company like that, and you've got to remember, we're really nice here in our little bubble in the UK, saying, you know, a, you know, I'm a female. Let's like get to the bottom of this. But if you look at somewhere like China or Japan or yeah. Russia – All of them have got huge, huge sway when it comes to a company like Nike. And they don't give a fuck about that just yet, do they? No,
0: no, definitely not. But does someone know? I mean, I've been reaching out to Mary Kane to try and get her on the potty, and she's done a good job of ignoring us so far. But does anyone know someone senior who's recently left Nike? Because they would be the perfect person to speak to who's ideally retired or gone to a competitor brand and that way we know that they can speak a bit more openly because it would be fascinating to understand you know what goes on within their pr what kind of decisions are made and and if the culture is something that has determined how they responded to these situations or if it's just individuals um you know and, and what i
1: think that's a brilliant idea also let's use our networking dinner to find someone because of definitely find someone there
0: um interesting fact I used to uh used to headhunt for Nike <laughs> I what,
1: friend
0: of, yeah I think a friend of mine may still be one of the uh might be the head of recruitment when or something.
1: Head-hunted, for... do you mean you work for Reed and you got people jobs at the Nike shop
0: no, we found their, their European head of finance, their European head of strategy, um, and then yeah, my friend went over to Their head
1: coach. Their
0: head coach, yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, and in, but interestingly enough, when we were when we were working with them back then, and this would have been 2005, two thousand and five, six, seven or so, they used our firm initially as a, as a small boutique uh, executive search firm because we specialised in um, female diversity and being able to put together female shortlists
1: yeah
0: and so clearly that was something that they were actively trying to pursue in their policies and in their hiring but
1: yeah but they're doing uh, it for numbers man like they're just doing it because they have to but even
0: say you'd hope something like that would actually filter through the organisation where if you if you are suddenly bringing in you know very high flying high calibre females throughout your seniority that 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 would hopefully change change the culture or whatever
1: from my experience, if that if you do that, you know you need to bring in people that have got some empathy as opposed to sociopaths. Because you bring in high flying strong females, a lot of the time those high flying strong females feel the need to act within the culture of the industry that they're being hired in. And I know that from working in music. You're just so,
0: hiring batches, are you? I'm
1: yeah so yeah you've got to be you've got to have, have people that are willing to like bust open a fucking box and be like this is not how it's going to be anymore um and that's a very brave thing for people to do in any in any um business and it's very very rare that that happens Maybe come we'll on ladies
0: hell. bust open your box bust, bust, open. bust
1: open your box not <laughs> yours #Me too. Ah, it's gone wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well this is a wonderful segue into someone who is breaking down barriers Being world records for one. (laughs) And who is friends with Nike? Oh no, oh no. They're going to be listening. Oh god, that's so bad. (laughs) oh no interesting right um this it
1: open if nike want to talk to us it's absolutely fine we've all got our own opinions of what happens uh camille is an amazing athlete and she is endorsed and sponsored by nike that's not an issue in, in this situation we
0: didn't we didn't plan that camille and um we apologize this is this is now our last ever interview with you <laughs> <laughs> nick take it away So, do badders, we have um, for only the second time someone returning for the third time on the podcast. Um, you, If you don't know who Camille is, then why are you listening to this podcast, basically? <laughs> <laughs> because she's been winning everything, she's been setting her records. But welcome back on the podcast, our favourite Camille Heron.
2: Hey! <laughs> Yay! Hi! <laughs> How are you
0: doing?
2: I'm doing great yeah we're we're as I uh, mentioned to you earlier we're trying to move everything from one house to another uh, today so our house is full of boxes and uh, furniture and just having to get all that sorted now so.
0: So are you here or there if, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 all good now, but I've been been leaving it up to my husband to do all the, the all the moving. So,
0: and you you're moving to Colorado. Is, is that because is that because of running?
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we decided that I, with the way that my running career is going, that I'm going to eventually get into more trail running, and I needed to be a little bit closer to the mountains. So um, yeah, and I, I actually quit my day job in research a couple months ago, and um, we had bought this house a year and a half ago. And so we're finally getting everything moved up into our house and, uh, you know, fill our walls with all my favorite uh, inspirational paintings and that sort of stuff. <laughs> (laughs) so yeah
0: how it's because that's really interesting in the the first I guess the first two episodes a lot of them were spent talking about how it was almost um a revelation that you you (laughs) train for things like comrades where you were pretty much running entirely flat except for one session every other week where you go and just go hill 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 so (laughs) so now that you're moving um, now that you're in Colorado, do you know how you're going to train? Like, is, is this new territory for you?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, so where we moved is Alamosa, Colorado, and I lived and trained here at the beginning of my marathoning career. So I'm very, very familiar with this area, but at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen because trail running is still very new to me, and so I haven't really – gotten up into the mountains as much um, and so I uh, Alamos is really cool because it's it's a running community they uh, have Adam State here uh, mm-hmm. who has won like a gazillion national championships at the collegiate level and there's a lot of elite and professional athletes who have lived and trained here so uh, they're all excited that I'm here and that that we're going to you know be calling this our, our permanent home now and um, yeah just take me places and explore the mountains
1: and stuff so uh, how, how
0: does it, how does that work is there a running club <laughs> that you you just walked in on a tuesday night and you were like hi i'm camille on the light like, right <laughs> Can you run a five? You run a 5K before, you know? Can you do sub 30? Or, or did people like? Did, did you have to like sign up to a club essentially?
2: Oh gosh, uh, no! I mean, since since I trained here at the beginning of my marathoning career, like I got to know the locals and all the runners and the the coach at Adam State, um, and so so yeah, I, I we definitely know the people here, and uh, you know, we've been able to assimilate into the community. And uh, I, actually, I, I'm being honored by the rotary club here at noon after i (laughs) after i get done talking to you so um yeah i mean everybody's really excited for me to be here and uh they want to help me you know to continue with my running career and um yeah i mean it's it's (laughs) i think they know who i am so
0: (laughs) (laughs) and do do you still have some strava segments and things then that are all set up in the area that you can now go out and just see how you compare
2: yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm actually incognito on on Strava just because I needed to have some privacy with my training. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I've had people like send me routes on Strava, like how to get to different places, and we've been able to go up to like 11,000 feet and that sort of thing to do like training runs up in the mountains. Um, and so, so yeah, I, like I can, I can utilize, you know, whatever routes that people have that, you know, to share with me and, uh, go to some really cool places. So,
0: and, and you, do you, cause you mentioned it was partly to train for trail racing. So feet, is it more to get the experience of the technical ability of running on these hard trails or is it for the altitude or is it because you feel you need to be able to get more ascent and descent in your weekly training?
2: Uh, yeah, so the, the cool thing about Alamosa is it sits in a valley. And so it's actually very flat, like in Alamosa. So I have like flat open roads and uh, dirt trails so that I can like do my road training and speed training. Um, and we're at 7,500 feet. So we're at like this perfect altitude to get the boost from the altitude as well. And then um, we have like within 30 minutes to an hour we can go up to like 11,000 feet and I can get more on like technical trail running so I've kind of got like the best of everything within like a really close like uh vicinity to Alamosa uh and so you know I I see myself as a versatile athlete like I want to be able to do road stuff and I want to do trail stuff and I you know I just want to kind of do it all basically and so we felt like Alamosa was kind of the the best opportunity to embrace everything that I want to continue to do in my running career so
0: and and you famously are known for in doing 100 miles (laughs) per week for 11 years are you now that you (laughs) you've obviously got the altitude you've got different um well even even a mile sometimes on hills is so dramatically different (laughs) to a mile on the flat are you are you going to have to change up your training to to adjust to this difference in in each run in terms of its intensity
2: yeah, yeah. Our, our first couple of months here, uh, it was, it was pretty difficult. Like, uh, I, I, I kept joking, like run was kicking my butt, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty humbling to come up here and you're like, you're like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And um, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of heart rate training. Mm. So when we first got up here uh, to know like what my easy pace effort should feel like, you know, I would even though I felt like I was going to cough up a lung, I had to trust, you know, what my heart rate was saying uh, for for to get whatever effort for from a workout. So if I'm doing like a progression run that's like a a tempo pace, uh, Mm -hmm. I would try to push my heart rate up to 80 to 90%. And so my actual pace may be like 20 seconds off of what it is at sea level. But I know that I'm getting the cardiovascular stimulus, you know, that's comparable. So when I go down to sea level and I have all this oxygen I can go much much faster, so uh, so yeah. I just I just when you're up at altitude, I mean you still have to work on your turnover, you know. So you you kind of shorten everything to get like you know something like you might do and. Um, a progression run at sea level that's like 45 minutes and at altitude you might have to break it up or something like 22 by 20 minutes or something like that and um, so yeah you just find a way to get your legs to turn over to maintain that speed but then uh you're still getting the same like cardiovascular benefits so
0: and have, have we seen any of your performances so far that have been <laughs> off the back of that advantage or is, is this all changed to come
2: uh yeah, so actually my my 24 hour world record uh, that I just set at the the world championship, I did all of my training for uh, at high altitude. So uh, and I broke my record by almost five miles or eight k. So I think I think it definitely uh, gave me a huge huge benefit. And uh, so yeah, we were pretty excited about that.
0: Now we're going to come on to the, the hundred mile in, uh, in a few minutes, but you mentioned that you know, your focus now is to to change to more trail rather than just you know you can kind of flat your straight road running in records. What what's been the the reason behind that decision? Uh,
2: well, I mean, I still kind of see myself as a versatile athlete, but you know, I'm I'm thirty 37- seven. 37 years old, so I'm not going to be fast forever. So I kind of have to think about, you know, where I'm going to be five years from now or 10 years from now. And so I feel like once I have gotten all the the world records out of me and I feel like I've maximized my speed potential, that I can get into more adventure running and uh, get the experience to, you know, do races like UTMB or Hard Rock. Uh, you know, these, these kind of like more... Uh, very different from road racing you know experiences and so um so yeah I mean I I really for me I really just want to conquer everything I can and uh I like to go long I think is the thing like I feel like the longer I go the the uh the more like soul fulfilling it is like it feels like it feels like it's a whole movement of, you know, finding out what's possible and me, especially as a woman, I mean, a lot of women are, you know, just getting into these longer distances, you know, a hundred mile, 200 miles, six day type events. And so it's like, well, you know, maybe I can beat all the men, you know, maybe I can get closer to the men's world (laughs) records, you know? So, um, so yeah, I kind of see myself evolving into more multi-day type racing. And more adventure running, and um, yeah, I mean, just showing, just showing what's possible for women, and that we're strong, and we can keep going even further. So.
0: And, and have you got a sense yet in terms of like your skill gap or your ability gap? Because obviously, coming into to trail, there are some people who've grown up with these hugely steep or descents. In a sense, do you think is it something you you're actually naturally quite good at, or is it going to take you a while to adjust?
2: Uh, well, I've I've done really well on trails, uh, even even from. I think my my first trail race did not go so well. Um, uh, but my second trail race was at, uh, up in Washington and I, it was literally my very first time to run up a mountain. Like I had, <laughs> I hadn't even done that in training before and I crushed it like i i ended up uh, i just missed the course record in that race but i mean i went from somebody who's never been up a mountain to like winning winning a race and running the second fastest time ever and um, running up and down a mountain multiple times and uh so i mean i think i think just from a fitness standpoint that that somebody that's a good, uh, that's built for ultra running that they can translate that, you know, as a road racer into mountain run, just the fitness. Um, but I would say like the technical skill is something that definitely you've got to practice and, uh, be comfortable with, um, especially the downhill technical stuff. Um, and, and so I've, <laughs> I've definitely, uh, you know, I have to get my trail legs ready, you know, whenever I'm, uh, building up towards a, you know something like Western States, and uh, you know I try to practice my technical trail work a couple times a week for that. So,
0: because you're you're kind of known for quite a, a shuffly style in in, in run, <laughs> which is obviously not not a problem in any way on road or on flat. But have you found that a problem in that even on some ascents uh, for normal? Um, gait you have to be more aware of lifting your yeah. legs up when tired I mean has as that oh, has sure. that caused issues for you
2: yeah you know um so I I have to say that I think I'm getting better <laughs> um when I I went ran the TerraWare 100 miler uh back in the spring and I had done the 100k uh two years before that and during the when I ran the 100k um I felt over and over and over again like there were all these like <laughs> oh, deep... no. uh, it was it was very demoralizing it was like oh my gosh like not another tree root, you know like I trip and hit my toe or whatever um, I did not fall a single time when I ran the 100 miler this year and so I felt like that was the victory in itself that like oh my gosh how did I get there 100 miles without falling like that just you know seemed impossible but um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you just—I feel like for me coming from the road uh, to trail, I have to—I have to learn. I'm so light on my feet because when you're on concrete, you just naturally learn to to pop off the ground. And so I have to learn to be a little bit more flat-footed, um, and and then also, you know, lift my knees to to pick up my legs to get over gigantic tree roots. Um, and so I, I I feel like you have to be able to. Um, to throttle your gears like on a bike. You know, do you have to know when you got when you can go fast and when you can, when you have to go a little bit slower and be safer? And so I've kind of gotten used to that now. That, um, you know, I, I came from the road background thinking I'm gonna hammer it as fast as I can, you know, <laughs> tripping over tree roots, you know, and, and realize that that's kind of dangerous, you know. To now I have to, I have to be safe, you know, when I'm going through parts that uh, are a little bit more dangerous. So I uh, don't want to have any head injuries or you know break my leg or tear something so
0: and and how have you found the reception so far you've mentioned how moving to colorado they're all excited about how you can help with the team and also uh, you know represent with them but has there been a, a kind of fear factor from some of your competitors who uh, who are already in trail running or kind of some skepticism or, or negativity negativity at all
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, I think, um, in fact, I actually just did an interview for Runner's World about this. um, Because, I mean, I came into the sport and uh, into ultra running, and I immediately had success. And so... Uh. you know, and obviously being a woman who can beat the men and I, I immediately was <laughs> successful, like a lot of people, I was not necessarily like supported and welcomed um, by everybody coming into trail running. And so I, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I, they have to get to know me and, and, uh, you know, and, and so it's kind of been over time. I've, I've, you know, gained support and, uh, I, I go out and talk to a lot of like events, you know, and let people get to know me and, uh, and so I, I, I'm gradually developing, you know, more of a following and people realizing, like, you know, they don't need to be scared of me, you know, I'm not this, like, mythical like, <laughs> woman, you know, like, uh, you know, I, so I, I think, like, uh, it's just kind of been a process of getting to, you know, assimilate into the community and, uh, you know, be embraced by everybody and, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it can be a little scary because – or a little intimidating for, you know, the men because here's this woman that can <laughs> keep up with them. And, uh, and you know, and I, I think that, you know, the cool thing about trail running is you're, you're out there all day with each other and, uh, you're sharing the day together and, uh, you realize it's kind of more fun. It's kind of more of a social thing that, um, versus road racing where it's, you know, really cutthroat, you're just out to like kill each other or something, uh, but road, right, but trail running and everything, I mean, you're spending the whole day together. So you just learn to embrace each other. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I've really, I've gotten to know the community and they've gotten to know me and, um, you know, things are, things are pretty good now. So, <laughs>
0: Now, t- talking about support, because since we first spoke to now, you've you mentioned you you quit your job a couple of months ago. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's a huge huge change. But also, <laughs> I, I assume like a massive help in terms of training and being able to focus on on races. Like, what what's the transition been like? And, and has it been hard trying to convince sponsors or trying to manage your finance? It's enough to be able to make the jump and um, and actually risk it all essentially on on your performances
2: yeah yeah yeah. and yeah I mean it's it's been a process over the past couple years to to get to where I could quit my day job and uh like when I when I I like I said you know I immediately had a lot of success like my very first year and people were kind of like who is that you know like this this woman comes into the sport, like, who is she? Um, and, you know, I mean, I've been doing the marathon for a long time, but, you know, coming into this community, um, it was actually very challenging for me to get sponsorship. Um, and I mean, I, I knew that being a woman, that it was really important to uh, make sure that I got my value as an athlete and as a woman, because uh, you hear stories about men being, you know, getting bigger sponsorship support and that sort of thing. And so I, ha- I actually had a very hard time getting into the sport. Um, I, I, my very first agent that I had, uh, it wasn't a very good relationship, and he wasn't really uh, promoting me as, as I should be. And so I had to change agents um, back in 2016. And, um, I mean, it was a difficult time for me because I, I was being rejected uh, by sponsors. And here I had gone and won like two world titles and I'd broken a world record. And, um, so I had done all these things, but sponsors were a little bit like, well, you know, we're not really sure about her. <laughs> uh, and so I had to get, I had to get a change agents and, um, he was the one that was able to make the connection with Nike. Um, and so, yeah, that ended up being, you know, my first very big sponsorship that I had, um, but yeah, you know, fast forward here a couple of years, and um, you know, I've gotten more world records. I've won comrades, and and so I finally got to where I have enough uh, financial support that uh, I mean, we were able to buy a second home in Colorado, and um, we started our coaching business, and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm doing quite well. <laughs> and
0: why do you think it is that it's that you were struggling to find sponsors do, do you think there's was it a skepticism towards you as a new runner or do you think there is a skepticism by um by these marketing companies about the scale and the size of of women's running and therefore the the marketing dollar
2: associated with that yeah I I mean you know I think it's I I don't think it's just our sport I think it's you know goes into basketball and you know women's soccer and um that that women tend to be undervalued and that there's such and especially being ultra trail running I mean it's a male dominated sport and so uh women and I, I felt like for me that I needed to get an agent because I needed to make sure that I was getting my my value. You know, I was getting I wasn't going to get gypped by companies. And uh, my, my agent, Mark Masselier, who, who you got to, to talk with, uh, he's a really great guy. Like he's been in the shoe industry. He knows what men are getting. And, you know, can go to bat for me to make sure that I'm getting the same value as a man. And so, I mean, fortunately, I've been in, I've been in as a marathoner, I've been in the sport long enough to know the value and the importance of having an agent. And uh, so when I, you know, found out I have this amazing ability, you know, for ultra trail running, um, I said, I said, okay, you know, I better get an agent because I've got a I, it's good to have that, that middle person uh, that can go to bat for you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think getting into the sport and it being male-dominated, that, I mean, I, I, I was finding myself getting passed over by sponsors uh, that the, for, for less qualified men at the time. And I said, you know, this is, this is not right. And you know, flash forward a couple years, and you're hearing stories from more women athletes speaking out and saying, you know, that the equal equal pay, you know, uh, run run equality, and all this stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm finally getting more confident that I can speak out about my experiences. And uh, but but yeah, I mean, the the other cool thing is, you know, women in ultra running are doing all these amazing things. I mean, I'm, you know, beating men outright, I'm going further. And so I feel like sponsors uh, should value what what women bring to the sport, you know, as far as the inspiration and uh, showing that women are strong, and uh, that we can put ourselves out there. So I mean, I consider myself like pretty marketable. (laughs) I I feel like, you know, i I would like, I mean, I would like for uh, sponsors to value, you know, what we bring to the sport as women uh, and, and, you know, as far as the future of the sport, I mean, it's going to continue to be women pushing the human limits and, and showing the world what's possible. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think especially because in, in some sports, it's, there's a, a, a far more um, financial argument for why people are paid differently. If you take something like American football, A male American football player will play for a team that has, you know, millions and million pounds of of global revenues, whereas a female player won't. Whereas in trail running, um, as as you say, it's um, if if I'm beaten by 10 guys and one woman, I know Uh who the woman is. I've no idea who the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth or ninth guys are.
2: Um, Exactly. The woman, the, the, the women that are in the sport that are really, really good. Like, we stand out. Like, we're doing things that just are eye-popping amazing. And, I mean, the fact that we stand out, I mean, I feel like that that's a marketability in itself. And... Uh, that sponsors should be embracing, you know, the fact that we stand out like we do. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting for me because I'm wanting to go further and uh, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to do another interview tomorrow and um, that, that they're wanting to know my thoughts on, I'm getting ready to run it for 48 hours. Uh, you know, and, and my thought is, you know, well, <laughs> I see the expression on your face, <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Uh, But I mean, I'm closing the gap on the men's world records right now. And so the question is, you know, how far do I need to go to potentially get closer and closer to men's world record? Um, You know, maybe even surpass a world record. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting for me, like being a woman who can, you know, push those limits and, um, and, and find out what's possible. And so, uh, I I'm excited for what's going to come.
0: <laughs> and, and is the, is the motivation for that? So, cause I, I mean, I have no idea even, I didn't know there was a 48 <laughs> hour record, but, um, is, is the motivation for that because you just love the idea and you, and the, also the, um, the drive that it gives you for you to be able to have the overall world record? Or is it also linked to, I guess, marketability of, because you're, you're, you're in the press, even in the UK, <laughs> a fair bit, but it, it typically is to do with eating tacos or drinking <laughs> beer while you break the records. Um, yeah. you know, is, is your decision to go long and to do the trail and to take on these really, really um, crazy times linked to marketability as well?
2: Uh, I mean, I like I would do it even if I didn't have, you know, major sponsorships. I I feel like I'm I'm born for ultra running. I mean, the fact that I just went and broke my 24 hour world record and I was like sixth overall and uh, I took it up like five extra miles. I mean, there's there's no other woman Who's within like six, six or seven miles of me ever? And so I'm, I'm born with a unique gift, and I feel like you know whether I have sponsors behind me, I'm going to do it because it's, it's a pretty cool thing, you know, to have that talent. And uh, I mean, I when I'm out there, I'm inspired by my, my ability, and I'm inspired by what I can do with it, and uh, showing, showing the world what's possible. And so. I, I try to, you know, like, not think about all that other stuff around me. You know, I don't want to be influenced by, uh, like, I... Uh, somebody I was asking me about like all the social media and like you know there's all this stuff that happens around but for mm-hmm. me it's more about the inspiration that I'm creating and uh the history that I'm making I mean i I want people to, to to say to read about me in history books you know 30 years from now and and to read about you know maybe some of my records still stand um, you know and see my name in record books and um yeah I mean I feel like it's I feel like what i'm i'm raising in the bar for the sport in general and you know whatever's happening whatever sponsorships I mean that's just all like kind of beside the point I think I feel like I've ha- I have this talent talent and I have to make the most of it so
0: now, I want to go into the 24-hour the and the 48-hour, but I've just thought of a question that I'm definitely going to forget if I don't ask it now. So you've mentioned you're sponsored by Nike. Have they adapted a, a trainer for you yet? And, and are you in conversations with them about adapting the next percent
2: into a trail shoe? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I actually visited the Nike campus here a couple of weeks ago And uh, I got to meet with several different shoe design teams. Um, I got to meet with a women's team that, that focuses more on women's products. Um, I met with the the team that is developing like future shoes, uh, so like you know the with the the Kipchoge shoe that he just wore for his uh, mm. breaking two, and um, so I got to meet with that team, and then I got to meet with the Troll team, and uh, so so they were picking my brain on you know what I liked and didn't like about the shoes, and uh, I think I did mention to them I'm, I'm like could you take the Vaporfly five and put like you know waffle <laughs> sole on it. Uh, and so, so yeah, I actually ended up, because uh, I wanted to have it down in text, so I ended up writing a, a long email and and broke it down, like each shoe, you know, what I would like to see um, for the future. So uh, I mean, I can't reveal what they're working on. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that they really value the athlete input. And so it's really cool to meet with them and to, to give them uh, for For somebody like me who runs a lot you know and runs um on road versus trail uh you know I'm able to tell them a lot to to uh, to try and improve the shoes to meet my personal needs so and
0: are there because most people who are sponsors or who are of you know very good trail runners they don't tend to be someone like Nike they tend to be an innovator you know an on or um, something that is very focused on trail. Are there any other, are there any other big names who are sponsored by Nike as well in trail running that you can think of? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, there's we have a whole Nike Trail team. Um, the actually the guy who won the TDS race at UTMB, uh, he's sponsored by Nike Trail. Um, I think he's a Spanish guy, and um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Mm. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like. Like I'm, I'm probably the most versatile athlete on the team, mm. and most everybody else is more of a trail specialist. And so, so yeah, we've got we've got most of the runners that run for Nike Trail are American athletes, but there are some international athletes as well. So,
0: just because if if they manage to, if you look at the supposed performance benefits of the uh, the Vaporfly and the Next Percent on road, if you manage to take that. Um, extend that uh, (laughs) that benefit onto trail then if you're if you're only in sixth place anyway in the (laughs) 24 hour that that in itself could be a significant enough advantage over your competitors who aren't nike that that could be enough potentially
2: to see you
0: taking on the men's podiums (laughs)
2: that that would be pretty darn exciting um I I will have to reach out to them and um again and you know see if it is possible just to change the outsole of the vaporfly um I mean I've I've actually worn them on like pretty tame trails so you know something a trail that's like not very technical like they're actually not that bad I guess it would be if it if the course got like wet or something like that that you might need a little bit of a grippier uh, waffle type of sole. Uh- But, yeah, I mean, my my actually I should mention my husband, Connor, is a wear tester for Nike. So uh, he's bringing home various shoes, uh, you know, and so I kind of get to see what they're thinking for the future. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be really incredible to to, even if Nike could just take the vapor flight that, you know, is currently out and put like a waffle sole on it um you know that that might be the the solution to you know get the vaporfly trail shoe or whatever so
0: and and when you have done those those couple of practices in the vaporfly is does it change your balance significantly on things like downhill that it's actually a different way of running or is it possible to just use exactly the same style and, and and just get the benefit without any other issues
2: yeah, I mean I I wouldn't say that I've used the vapor fly on a whole lot of like technical trolls before, uh, but that would be really interesting, <laughs> I guess. Um, I mean, I like I I had the Vapor Fly when I was over in Ireland, and um, I happened I had actually started the run as a road run, and then I realized I was like near some technical trails, and like I tried to like go off off road and uh, get on the trails, and then I realized like oh wow these feel pretty good <laughs> like you know so I, I I mean I can't I can't say that I have a lot of experience doing the Vapor Fly on technical trail, but. It, it it's an intriguing thought you know so
0: now on to the 24 record and <laughs> I, I had no idea about the 48 hour record so we can just put that together in this because I, I think a lot of my <laughs> questions towards the 24 will then be um you know adapted to will these things change with 48 hours but um I mean firstly when you published on Facebook about your number of toilet stops your sleep breaks and yeah. A couple of pukes um like how much of that was planned
2: uh yeah so not not at all really uh, i mean i i know that going into a 24-hour race that there's going to be challenges the entire time and uh, so i i go into the race like accepting before the race that it's not going to be a perfect race like it's just not possible to have a perfect 24-hour race so i you know i I I trained my brain basically, you know, in training and thinking about like what I'm going to experience at different time points and how I'm going to handle that. And I didn't expect to have all these GI issues that I had. And so, uh, I had to I had to just completely change my nutrition. Um, like for the the second half of the race, um, I had to switch from what I was taking. Um, I was taking like gels and sport drink and um and yeah, just things were just not agreeing with me. And uh, it's kind of crazy because I I normally have a really good gut gut and all, all that. But um, but yeah, halfway through the race, I had to completely change uh, to I started taking uh, like mashed potatoes in a cup. uh, That was kind of like a slurry that I could like uh, you know gulp down, kind of like a smoothie uh, type thing. And then did
0: that just happen to be on hand, or was that something you you knew could work for you as a fallback?
2: Yeah. So I, I've, I've had potatoes, uh, in races before, and it's always like a really, it, it just, it feels like it just kind of balances you and it kind of cuts out that, um, that sugary flavor that you get from all the sport drinks and gels. So, um, I mean, I, I'd had potatoes before, but I didn't. It's not like I've done, you know, a whole race on potatoes, but uh, because my gut was acting up so much, I felt like I complete, I needed to completely change my nutrition. So I was doing uh, the potato slurry in a cup and then, um, and then I started also having fruit smoothies. So my husband, they had a blender and they were making fruit smoothies in a cup so I was I was alternating alternating either having uh, the potatoes or the fruit smoothie. So
0: <laughs> and and if you because you've I know you've obviously done 24 hours before. Had you got through the whole of that on just sugar, essentially?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my first 24 hour record a year ago, I took 44 gels. <laughs> Uh, I took 44 gels and, uh, and then a bunch of sport drink and some potatoes and a taco and a beer and like, um, so yeah, like I, I, I felt like, I felt like when you're going for 24 hours that at some point you have to take in more calories Mm. and so, I was trying to, I was, I, I'll have to, I've still got to get my formula figured out, but I was trying to take in more calories and, uh, just what I was taking wasn't agreeing with me. And, um, and yeah, I mean, once it's kind of bad because once you get, once you get a hyperactive gut, like your gut, your gut is like moving and like not settling well with what you're taking, that it's kind of hard to get your gut to calm down and so when once I went to the potatoes and the fruit smoothie and it seemed like it got my gut to to calm down a bit um that that I was okay so so I mean that I mean that's part of being an ultra runner. you know you sometimes you do go through gut issues and you just have to figure out how to troubleshoot it so
0: and are you are you thinking of a different strategy 48 hours then
2: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we, we kind of, we kind of like have an idea of like, you know, what, what went wrong and like, you know, maybe I need to go back to like what I was taking and, um, but I just know that at some point when you're going, you know, 24, 48 hours that you just need more calories. And so I just, I just have to plan. I just have to figure now that I've kind of experimented with more foods that I kind of know that, you know, potatoes and fruit smoothie is something that I could go to, you know, as more of a a whole food besides taking, you know, 44 gels or whatever. Mm. Uh, and so, so yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of this, it's kind of more of a trial and error and just like getting the experience of, okay, well, this worked for me. I know that that might work for 48 hours, you know. Um, so I think I think at some point, like when, the further you go, the more you have to take in solid type of foods that it can't just be gels uh, that you have to kind of supplement with other things because otherwise, like uh, I mean it, it's it's just crazy. like you're going the further you go, the more you realize I need more calories. I need like more wholesome type of foods. so.
0: And are you you taking on any proteins? Because I'd have thought, I don't know at all, but I'd have thought something like 48 hours, you're going to, I mean, you use protein throughout when you're fueling. It's just you don't use as much as carbs and things. But are you going to have to start doing the maths on that?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I've done a lot of research on uh, Yanis Kouros, who holds a bunch of the men's records. And like, he he, pretty much. He's gone up to like a thousand miles and like the six day type races, and he has just taken like straight up carbs. Uh, I think he like hardly had any protein uh, when he's done like the six day world record. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting, also because I'm a woman. And like someone of my ability, you know, that's a really high caliber type of woman hasn't really done the, the really, really long ultra stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have to be like in tune with my body and what I feel like I need. And the way that I'm viewing the 48 hour record that I'm going to be going for is maybe I need to have like three meals, you know, like like a typical day. Like, maybe I need to treat it like, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, but then like in between all that, like be taking gels, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, maybe I need to have like a, a taco for lunch or, you know, a sandwich for dinner or something like that. Uh, but then I'm supplementing in between that with all the gels and sport drinks. So,
0: and, and did you do anything like fat adaption in the, the buildup to the run or do you have a standard kind of diet throughout your training?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, because um, I've, I've had a lot of discussions with people, and I don't do anything special with my diet or my training, um, I always eat before my morning runs. I have never done a fasted morning run ever. Uh, I like to eat food. <laughs> I mean, obviously, for, for what I do, I need to be able to train my gut to, to be able to eat and run. Because if I was doing training runs without having food, my gut wouldn't be adapted to, to doing eating and running. And so for me, I think it's important to, to be able to eat food and run right after that, because that's what I have to do for ultra running. So so yeah, I don't, as far as uh, the fat adaptation stuff, I mean, for me, I run really high mileage to begin with. So mm-hmm. my, my glycogen stores are always like half full because I'm running. Running twice a day but at the same time I uh, need to train my gut so uh, so I mean I'm getting both the 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 fat adaptation just because I'm running high mileage I'm running twice a day but then I'm also training my gut by you know eating multiple times a day so that I'm comfortable with eating food and going out for a run so
0: does that mean you sometimes have a jail breakfast just so you you're really (laughs) in race conditions
2: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, uh, practice my, my gel, uh, fueling. Uh, I usually do my gels like on my workout days and, uh, some of my hard long runs that I do. So I definitely practice like taking a couple gels, uh, to be comfortable with that. But I mean, when I went ran 24 hours with 44 gels, I mean, that's something that I can't (laughs) practice, you know, it's (laughs) like you just go and do it. And, um, but, but, I mean, you, the, as far as the science of knowing, like, you know, how much your gut can tolerate, uh, I mean, the science says that you can take in 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. And so I use that kind of as the formula of, OK, you know, I can take in, you know, maybe start out with 60 to 75 grams of carbohydrates per hour. And then if I feel like I need more carbohydrates on top of that, that's when I start taking, you know, like a potato or, or a taco or, you know, other other things. So.
0: And um, so then what was the big difference then between the last 24 hour in this one? Cause the, you know, the performance was, was substantially better.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I definitely like my first 24 hours. I mean, I think that there's a learning curve and, and um, just kind of knowing what your body's going to experience during a whole day. And so going into my first 24 hour record, and um, I actually, I, cause I was coming back from a leg injury at the time. And I don't think that my fitness, my training and my fitness was, uh, I wasn't as fit as I could be. Um, and so, so yeah, I kind of went into it, you know, as a rookie, not knowing what my body was going to experience, uh, probably not as well trained for it. And, and then I had to push through the night portion and, you know, you start falling asleep and you start needing more calories. And so, it was it was a complete unknown like what I was gonna experience. So I was a little bit I was a little bit timid for that for that performance, but at the same time, like I still broke the world record. So it was still like a really, really good performance. Um, and I, I equate it to learning how to ride a bike. So your first time to ride a bike, you know, might be like a little bit wobbly and stuff. But then as you get more experience, you learn how to, to take off on the bike. And so going into my second 24-hour record um, at the, the World Championship, I, I felt like I was able to train. Uh, I was able to train and get myself a lot fitter for it. Um, and one, one thing that I did differently was I ran a 50K Race uh, three weeks out, and so that was kind of like my last like long run that I did it was I
0: flat out. So.
2: yeah, uh, I I actually ran it at about eighty percent effort, and so I wasn't running at full effort. Um, but I I kind of used that as like to get my my body to get my legs like used to a uh, race going doing a race, and mm. so I. I felt like that was that was hugely beneficial uh, to preventing cramping. I felt like the difference maker for me at the World Championship was I did this 50K race uh, three weeks out, and so I felt like it kind of beat my legs up uh, before the race so that when I went into the 24-hour World Championship, I had less cramping, um, and I was able to work through the night portion uh, quite a bit better, um, and so... I had all these things, you know, all this GI issues and, uh, trying to work through, I puked a couple times, but I felt like I had more confidence, um, to push through that night portion, uh, just knowing what I was going to experience. So.
0: And, and were those kind of seven, eight breaks to the toilet and, and being sick twice, was that all down to the GI issue then?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, whatever, whatever I was taking, like it just wasn't agreeing with my gut. And, and um, I just knew like it just, whatever I was doing was not working and, and we just needed to have the, the, the confidence and, uh, you know, be able to, to find something to help, uh you know, supplement what I was taking and try to get my gut to, to settle down. So when they when I told them to, to get me some potatoes, uh, I felt better. And so I kind of said, okay, let's stick with the potatoes. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was pretty much what I stuck with. And, uh, yeah, it kept me going.
0: And the, the two sleeps, because I – well, instinctively, I've been told by Pete. well, I've never done a 24-hour run, but – that you don't necessarily need them. So was that part of
2: your plan? Uh, so I kind of I, I, like I hadn't done any sort of power naps in my first 24 hour world record. And so it was it was kind of one of those things where I, I had mentally prepared myself. OK, what if I get tired? What if I feel like I need to lay down? And uh, and I've actually done a lot of training like at nighttime where uh, there's there's been moments during my late night training runs where I felt like I just wanted to lay down on the ground and look up at the sky. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, when you're going those long distances, you just hit a point where your brain just gets fatigued and you just like wanna lay down and close your eyes for a bit and uh, kind of meditate for a couple minutes and then get off the table and then get going. So yeah, I, for the for the 24-hour world championship, I had a couple of those moments where I felt like I wanted to lay on a table and just close my eyes and kind of meditate. And then it was incredible because I was able to pop off the table after that and get myself back going. And I felt fresh, like even just a couple minutes, you know, like a power nap for a couple minutes. I was able to Get off the table and get back out there. So,
0: and had you gone in there thinking, telling uh, Connor, wake me up in two minutes if I fall asleep, or were you letting your body tell you?
2: Yeah, I, I think I just kind of let my body tell me. But uh, I mean, there were people coming over, being like, "Okay, Camille, you got to get up." You know, and like I had only been down for five or 10 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had pretty limited time to, to be able to meditate basically for a couple minutes and then get up and get going again. But I mean, I, I, I had kind of prepared myself that this might happen. And so uh, it was pretty cool for me that I, I was able to get the rest that I needed just in a couple minutes and to get up. Um, and, and, knowing, you know, that 48 hours is going to be, you know, twice as much of that. Um, so I feel like I, I have the confidence that I can take a power nap and I can get up and I can get that going. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a cool part of the sport and, uh, being able to do the multi-day stuff. So,
0: so do, you, do you think then you're, you're going to be building, factoring power naps into the race strategy? Um, oh, or- for
2: sure. Yeah, I think it's uh, like, I was just talking with one of my friends who does multi day stuff. And he said, he said, it's one of those things where you just do it when your body feels like it needs it. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I would imagine for 48 hours that I'm, I'm just gonna have to go with the flow of my body. And uh, when I feel like I need to lay down under cot, uh, and then get myself back up and going again.
0: And and how long are you going to tell Connor that you you're allowed to be out for? Because there potentially, if you leave it to what your body feels, you're going to wake up four <laughs> hours later.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, I think I think we're going to know that I, I've got to be on a time crunch. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I obviously can't knock myself out for a couple hours because I need to I need to you know limit my power naps to a couple minutes. Um, so so yeah I mean that's that's a huge part of you know having the crew that can uh that can make sure that you know you're you're doing everything in a timely fashion so
0: and then in terms of pacing then because the you know 24 hour you've got experience of and even before you'd done your first 24 hour you'd done 100 mile which is kind of edging towards that are you have you got a pace in mind and have you got a target time in mind already
2: uh i kind of have the mindset of what i did for the 24 hours that i'm going to run at about 65 to 70 percent effort which for me is an easy run pace And then I'm just going to have to deal with all these, you know, troubleshooting all these GI issues or uh, power naps or uh, taking food. So, I mean, you you lose a certain amount of time just because you have to attend to your body's needs. But when I'm actually running, I'm going to focus on hitting about 65 to 70 percent effort. So.
0: And, and you, you mentioned that's similar to the 24 hour pace. Or was is that more um, 70,
2: 75%? Yeah. So, so, for 24 hours, I was trying to hit uh, 65 to 70% of max heart rate effort. Um, and so that's what I concentrated on. So, for, for going for 48 hours or six days or longer, um, I'm going to have that same mindset of trying to run at that 65 to 70% effort.
0: Interesting. And as and it, is is that because of something you've found out, or because my my instinct would be that you you'd need to get start slower. But do you think it's <laughs> going to be the other factors that limit you? It's not actually going to be the pace.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you got to think about like you're going to have mental fatigue, and um, your your gut being able to process enough calories to fuel your body. And then also the physical fatigue and um, my, your muscles, I mean, it's like your muscles go into a rigor mortis type state where, uh, it's like you're almost dead, like your legs are dead. And so, uh, in my, I've got to have that, that, that thought in my head, you know, to tell my legs to keep going. And so in my mind, I'm going to be thinking about what does 65 to 70% effort feel like you know, and, and trying to push myself uh, to concentrate on that sort of effort and that sort of pace. So I would imagine that my pace is going to get quite a bit slower, but in, I've got to have something to concentrate on in my mind and and thinking, you know, what is my 65 to 70% effort feel like? And so that's, that's kind of like what I what I think about in my head to keep myself going.
0: So do you think in theory that, well not even in theory do you think potentially you might break the twenty four hour record again uh, while doing the forty eight hour?
2: It's definitely possible. Uh, I got to tell you, David. I, I have to go to this luncheon because they're honoring me, um, and my <laughs> husband's my husband's showing his watch, so uh, we got cool. a do a part two later. yeah he said we might have to do a part two later <laughs>
0: yeah actually it was just it was just questions from the uh, the do that were left uh, which probably would be like 10-15 minutes so if you're happy to do that another time that would be amazing so um
2: yeah
0: well thank you so much for coming on again um yeah, it's interesting sure. and as wonderful as, as ever um, yeah
2: thank you for having me
0: <laughs> yeah no problem and we'll be seeing you in uh in a month's time
2: <laughs> exactly. There you go. We'll do a follow up.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Camille. And uh, enjoy yeah. the dinner.
2: All right. Okay. Thank you. Have a good Bye, day. Benja. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Wow. What a legend.
1: Oh, David, you're so in love. <laughs> you just mm. like. Do banners, I get to watch him interviewing her so that I can know what she said. And his face at the end when she said she had to go, I thought he was gonna cry. Um, mm. but she's just uh, she's the thing I love about her, is she's so confident, like she really is, she has no self-doubt whatsoever, but she's not a dick with it. Do you know what I mean? Like you're like, Yes, Camille, go on! Like <laughs> she's amazing and and she, like, when I was listening to her, I felt a bit like, oh, man, I'm never going to be as good as her. I'm never going to be as fast. Yeah. But she has got, like she says, a natural gift. And she's just, like, utilizing that. And that's amazing. Um, yeah. So, and that's the thing. She does. She, when,
0: why would you have any self-doubt when you, you take up running and you're, already, you're instantly the best in the world?
1: <laughs> because, you know, you're running around a track and you're throwing up and you're like, I feel like I'm going to die. Oh, well, I'll change my strategy. Not I'm going to stop. And yeah. pull out, I'll like,
0: just go to sleep.
1: I'll just have a, yeah, exactly. It's like Jesus Christ. I'd love to ask her. In fact, I will ask about the running shirt if she's ever actually had a meltdown, like as if she's ever actually said to her husband, just no, stop <laughs> it. Like proper, proper ultra rap, like I do with uh, my various paces, because she just seems to be relentlessly cheerful, which is and relentlessly positive. I just think that the mental training she does or does she does she have a mental coach all these questions will be yes, asked at the Olympics so people they'll be asked um yeah, I'm interested to know as
0: well what was she fed as baby food because I reckon was she was probably proper. fed some. yeah
1: exactly <laughs> a lot of very sugary very stuff and that stuff you put on plants to make them grow really long um, <laughs> like yeah she's yeah because she's got she's got I'd love to know what her parents are like like are they yeah. like daddy long legs who just go out and smash out 100 miles a week for 11 years like what the fuck but you know it's really interesting because she's in my eyes an elite endurance athlete and i think in everybody else's eyes but she's she's still learning like she's like yeah i'm still learning your 44 gels didn't work so i'm gonna take some mashed potato with me. i'm like she needs some pepper pig pasta shapes in her diet that's what i'm telling her but um she
0: she must be the only ultra runner and i I don't mean the only pro or the only top end but the only ultra runner in the world that would attempt 24 hours just on gels i can't think of anyone else who would have who would have even try maybe back in the like the early 90s when the very first lucas gel or whatever it was came out someone might have done that once and no one else then did but the fact that she's so alright with them that she just like fine let's just do it it'd be interesting if she hadn't had that running on 24 whether she'd have gone for 48 hours just on gels
1: Oh, look, that actually makes me throw up. Thought of that makes yeah. me throw up. But it's the other thing is, you know, we're talking about sponsorship and how and the struggle and all that sort of stuff. She did a fucking 24 hour race on gels. Where's the gel company going? <laughs> look, at this, look at this woman. She did 24 Like, where are they? Are they insane? Why but does the, she have to? And I mean, it's a fucking good move for her to get herself an idiot buffer, i.e., her manager, yeah. to go in and be like, hang on a minute, everybody. Why are you paying that person 50 grand? And her, five grand. Like, that's amazing. But, but interestingly, I...
0: Interestingly, I did sense when she was talking that she almost held... Um, she, she... I think she very consciously just said gels without saying the product. I think she, there was one moment and um, where I think she almost said the brand's name, but yeah. she didn't. And I think yeah. she was thinking, no, no, no. So I think she's probably had conversations with with people about this and she's even said other products before like not Mm -hmm. not i'm not saying other products and and it's me saying other products but she said the words other products previously yeah in in interviews because she clearly doesn't want to to give them the reward yet
1: um well why would she like why would she like at the end of the day she's running a fucking business and she is the business like she nobody else can do what she does and i do yeah. not understand why she is not rewarded for the fact that she nobody else can do what she does she's a fucking I, legend
0: i think she is now i was um last summer i was uh i was at one of the cliff events and the the head of marketing for cliff global head of marketing and the ceo came over and um, i just kind of pulled them aside and said guys you sponsor camille heron like right? do you know who she is? And I'm, yeah, I think I've heard of her. I'm like, you need to make her your poster girl. Like, she needs to be center of everything you do. And um, and they kind of made these – they wrote it down and all of this. And so I kind of, like, gave them this look of, like, don't make me come back to you about this. Um, so it's crazy when – if you're a jail company, half your – the, the trouble with with ultra runners is that they don't use gels. Right. From the point of view of a gel company, that's why you you know it's why I like Cliff because the shot blocks because I mm-hmm. do like using those. And so, she is the absolute dream person for 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 gel company marketers because you can say, look, it is possible to run forty you know the world record 40, 24 hours just on gels. If you yeah. ever need something to give you that um, what. Well, just that stamp of of quality of in in your gels for your stomach um so yeah
1: exactly because i would never touch gels because of the you know the fact that i don't think i can do i can run for that long them. but it's listening to that made me think hang on a minute because you know she's now she's like maybe i have a sandwich i'm like yes have a sandwich have three meals a day that's what i do when i'm running 24 hours even though i'm a lot slower than you but i make sure i have actual proper food because i can't stomach the sugar and She's like maybe i have gels in between and i'm like Maybe I'll have gels in between, which I've never <laughs> thought of before. You know, I made a massive error the last time I had sugar, which was on a piece of string. So I got too excited and I had two shot blocks for breakfast, which was the wrong thing to do. I should have had breakfast, then two shot blocks as my pudding. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like... Yeah, like, people listen to what she says because she is a a normal, I say normal, she comes across as a normal human being. She's funny. She does, you know, she's just fucking moving house and she's in the middle of a podcast. And then she goes to the Rotary Club because, you know, they want to have a Camille party, which is great. But people listen to her. I listen to her. Every woman endurance runner knows who Camille Heron is. And every woman endurance runner who wants to be an endurance runner listens to Camille Heron. And
0: male. Um, And male.
1: And male, yeah. Like, you know, she's an absolute legend and and uh and what she's doing is and even she can you know she says what she's doing is incredible and I love the fact she knows what she's doing is incredible it's not like she's just like oh yeah and then I just went and did this it's yeah. like what I'm doing is brilliant and it's like yeah, yeah you are she's just so so amazing but but-
0: I, I, I just want I want them to I want them to film there needs to be a documentary about this 48 hour run there oh. has to be because yeah i n I'm in, it's done before you know, I'm sure there are forty eight hour races somewhere in the world and there probably is a record that someone's got recently, but I've I've never heard of a, a, an exciting forty eight hour attempt. And, no, uh, I, Do you
1: know what? It, Watching stuff on like I've watched it quite a lot recently, uh well, a lot of endurance running stuff to try and like kick my depression into touch and be like, Ali, you know, this is great, be inspired. Oh my god, they're boring. Those yeah, people are boring. So boring.
0: They're boring. But, the but forty eight hours is what's connor going to do he's got to stay up for 48 hours <laughs> so like, it, they, they're going to have to consider this like her support teams suddenly aren't aren't going to function in the same way she's going to have to really consider all you know have have how can...
1: have to have two or three support crews they have to do shifts mm. because it's the last thing you want when you get to an aid station when you're tired is some fucking ratty support crew having a go at you it's like no yeah so she's going to have to do it with shift. Oh, Camille, if you need somebody, I don't mind being there to hand you a pasty.
0: Yeah, 100%. But also, I think, uh, so do badders. She's going to be over for the whole, for 48 hours at the running show. So I think we should put together a list of all the potential British snacks that she could consider as an alternative to mashed potato.
1: This she, is her rider.
0: Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, nice. what is Camille's rider? So we're going to do rice pudding straight in there, like uh, ambrosia rice pudding. Bam!
1: Okay, I'm going to whack in there salt and vinegar squares, uh, ginsters, vegan pasty, and pepper pig pasta shapes.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good call. Cool. That's pretty good call. Cool. Oh, what else would I... Maybe monster munch.
1: Fish um, and chips.
0: Fish and chips. Oh, and, and if you're American listening, that's not fish and chips as in a, 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 in a, in a shop, fish and chips. This is...
1: Dirty really, chips really and a big bit of cod,
0: with loads of batter on it. <laughs> oh, I
1: thought you meant fish and chips like the little snacks. Oh no, both of them, both of them.
0: Frazzles. She needs some frazzles in her life. Yeah. So bad she, sausage. She, yeah, all
1: those things. Bad sausage. Sausage rolls, Scotch uh, eggs. Come on, everybody. We need a whole list.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. We'll bring them along, and maybe throughout her half-hour presentation, she's constantly just trying new things and uh, just comparing them because we might help. We might just. Dis- she might discover. The, uh, the food that gets her through that last two hours of 48. It could be the difference.
1: Now, I might be wrong here, right? But I think for Instagram that Susie Chan has yeah. been sponsored slash gifted Walker's Crisps because she had a great big box of Walker's <laughs> Crisps, right? She opened it on Instagram with hashtag ad. I reckon that Walker's would bloody love. She could be the new Gary Lineker. Oh, my God. That would be so good. Yeah. If that happens to me, or 50% to me, yeah, because it was my idea. Um, yeah. But also, because she's here for 48 hours, we could put together a BBR 48-hour crew that crews her the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Do you want the toilet? Do you need the toilet? you have right a toilet? Is everything okay? Do you got enough towels? It just stands outside a hotel room, getting her stuff, bananas, yeah, like whatever it is. It. Just on call. Yeah, yeah. We can prove what a good crew we can be.
0: Yeah, it's such a chance, guys. Yeah. yeah. But um, And James Appleton's going to be there, so we're let's fuck it let's do a bad boy documentary about it oh my
1: god this is an amazing idea yeah appleton you've been signed up your payment is nothing but you get to do a bad boy documentary about camille at the running show is that what Uh, you're gonna do about
0: yeah yeah 100 percent. but um well Baz, what do you think um is i see what, what do you think of the fact that camille's change to trail i think it's crazy exciting i think the fact she's going for these crazy records even more exciting Mm -hmm. Uh, and do you think it's going to change ultra running because actually the amount of publicity she could bring to those distances will make them proper events so people will start doing themselves are we going to suddenly see 48 hour as the as a new norm
1: I think think you might be right. I think you might. But the interesting thing is that one of the things I found really interesting is she's like, I'm really new to trail. And I was like, oh, is she? Because obviously I hate road and I'm always out on trails. Um, And I find it really interesting to see, you know, she's, She's really good at it. She's winning stuff running up mountains when she's, and, you know, almost setting course records. But it's so such a different thing. Yeah. Um, and I think her going into that is probably going to, as she touched on this at the beginning, it's probably going to cause quite a kerfuffle within the yeah. people that already, you know, the kings and the queens of the trails. Because How she's no a way. direct threat. To all of those people in the nicest possible way, and I think that if she stays fit and if she stays focused, which she is both, mm. she can fucking just smash everything. But obviously, the most interesting thing will be when is she doing Barkley? When?
0: I I, I I'm more excited about the uh, Biggs Backyard. Oh yeah, that's She's the one doing that, isn't she? Because I mean, Barkley, she'll take it on. The weather might be bad. Whatever happens. I
1: I think her mental fitness and her preparation and and her crew it doesn't matter if the weather's bad she's a monster she's so resilient she's yeah but
0: but something like Barclays you you get the wrong year no one to finish um and whereas Biggs how many miles could she do at that I mean could we be the first 300 miler
1: she's definitely signed up for that hasn't she already I can't remember. I I, hope think so. yeah, I think she is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I saw I, I looked at that. that's one of my like bucket list events. So I looked at it and I was like, nope, not this year. Bye bye. <laughs>
0: so if you're if you're going into Biggs and she's there and she's just done however many miles in forty eight hours, how many could she do?
1: Like I don't know. I think she She'll three hundred, wouldn't we? Three hundred? I don't know what her like does she have a medic like does she does she I want to know what her full squad is like does she have a mental coach a nutrition Mm -hmm. coach a medic does she have someone that's like you gotta stop now or does she just do it completely off the way she feels because something like Biggs is the sort of thing where you could if you have that mental power you could literally run yourself into the ground without wanting to stop and I know she's pulled out stuff before because I still think she has got that sensible bone in her body but it's really interesting could she do 300 like could she just keep going if you if you just let her let her go
0: yeah, but then maybe if she was there, she'd never she'd never get that chance because mm-hmm. if if it wasn't her in her body, then maybe she'd get to 300. But if you're standing next to Camille, it's game over. You're gonna you're gonna pull out. A, you're gonna pull out when you're a bit tired because you're like, well, she's yeah, gonna beat me anyway.
1: It depends what you're in it for. Like I would, that yeah. would I would do it until I fell over basically. But if mm. you're there to win, there's no point in doing it
0: because you're yeah. not gonna. Win. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%.
1: But also that, you know, having done a piece of string, I know that thing of I don't know how far I'm going is really difficult. Mm. I mean, I think it's different. Big backyard is round and round and round, isn't it? So you kind of know where you're going, but you don't know when you're going to be, where you're going to have to stop. Um, yeah. but, but having that capability to be able to keep going when you don't know when you're going to have to stop is pretty immense and, and really tough. And that is you.
0: Yeah. Like, would you get would you get um zach bitter doing bigs would you get jim no. also doing bigs would you get so. killian doing bigs no yeah,
1: exactly because they're men and they can't and because they want to win and it's like <clears throat> pacing yourself when you don't know how far you've got to go you know she says she's going to go out and do 48 hours at a 24 hour pace what the fuck
0: <laughs> right i mean what a good way to leave it what a good way so um <laughs> if um, if you've enjoyed that episode then I mean, there's two more Camille episodes out there, which are, and, and actually we probably should have said that at the beginning, but a lot of the questioning in this episode was basically because we didn't go into a lot of details that we as listeners already knew. So we didn't talk about her training. We didn't talk about um, training for Hills. We didn't talk about comrades you know, any of those things because we assumed anyone listening already knew all that stuff from the last year because we've already
1: talked about them
0: yes exactly so go back and listen to those
1: For star wars go and listen to the prequels
0: exactly exactly but um, if you've enjoyed that one other good ones uh zach bitter talks about Breaking the uh, well, break, breaking is it 12, his, his attempts to future attempts to break twelve hours for um, for a hundred miler, which was I mean he was he was amazing, very different approach to Camille, but um, obviously very similar level of achievements. Um, any that you'd
1: recommend? Good follow up to this oh there's loads of 100 miler ones um there's laz obviously you can listen to his there's a really good james elson one um and yeah just i just there's too many to list now david we really need to have do you know what for the running show we'll do a top 20 uh podcast we think you should listen to for our for our stand um but yeah there are there are so so many but um she is just something else she's something we should aspire, all aspire to be a little bit more Camille in our lives.
0: Absolutely, a little bit more Camille. if you, if you want long, long ladies, then uh, Candy Spurt was talking about the, I think she calls them the Golden Triangle, the Golden Series, but three 200-mile races all within a year that she puts on. So.
1: um And Courtney, don't forget Courtney. She's amazing too.
0: Oh, Courtney's well oh, She's fantastic. Yeah. She actually talks about bigs and her experience of that. So, um yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, if you've if you want to ask questions to our guests in the future, if you follow us on Instagram, Anya and Amy put out posts in advance and we then incorporate those questions into the interview or at the end, if you haven't had a chance. Um, Also available on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. There's the, the bad boy group. Please do leave five star reviews if you've enjoyed this episode and subscribe. It really helps us attract speakers and attract new guests because that's mainly how we're judged. Um, on our listenership and We're not judged
1: on our content. <laughs> <for sure>. Yeah. <laughs> or presenters. And um, any little sell on the on the club? Um yes. So oh just quickly we have a actual EA affiliated running club. It's a virtual club with virtually no expectations. So uh you can go and join that. It's club and uh there's various various levels of membership we now have over 200 members so for a virtual club we are pretty punchy we've got regional reps you can go and find people to run with or just drink with or just have a whinge with um and yeah and if you this is going to go out after the christmas party but we're also having a christmas party so the best thing for you to do is get tickets to the national running show um use my code which i'll say again is AMBAT. <laughs> what
0: do you win uh, with that by the way
1: do uh, didn't win anything it's just get free tickets basically okay. um in fact i think i might win some money to spend at the show but Whatever. You I have don't, to spend it at the show. Yeah, like I don't mind. There's loads of stuff to buy at the show. Like there's freaking loads of stuff. It's a massive show. Like there's so much stuff.
0: I thought you meant uh, you had to buy the sandwiches that the yeah, NEC put mean, on
1: like, I want like eighteen new pairs of tights and some new ultras um, but uh, but basically the show is really important it's really important you get tickets because this year it's twice as big as it was last year and that ultra zone is going to be something that I don't think anybody should miss um, so make sure you do that plus it's a massive bad boy running social and you get to meet the cult leaders I mean the club leaders um, <laughs> and uh, loads of other idiots who are actually really wonderful so go and get your tickets now
0: well thanks for listening guys we'll see you next week bye 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 bye, bye 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 I must admit I was a clone to be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back! Yes, and give me one more try Cause a love like this shoulda never ever die Come back! Fuck you, buddy!